The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. Another Oscar Race Checkpoint coming to you from Mike, Mike, and Oscar on this August 30th, 2019, or the sixth year and one day anniversary of the One Direction This Is Us movie no. having its theatrical debut, which also <laughs> fought for Oscars in its day, no doubt. Uh, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike Juan. This is co-host, also Mike. Also Mike here. Happy to be doing another Oscar Race Checkpoint. We moved it up a day this week yeah. because we had so much good stuff to talk about because we wanted to coincide this release with the opening of a big film festival many of the fall film festivals in fact so we're getting this to you a day early remember during award season we'll probably bump this show into our early monday tuesday week time slot for now we're loving it at the weekend and so are you so we're really thankful for that as well yeah like mike said we got the the catching the first days of some of the biggest film festivals of the year where we're really taking a nosedive into oscar season now uh, Venice Film Festival has been underway, I think, for a day already as mm-hmm. we're recording this. We're catching the first day of the Telluride Film Festival as far as what's going on stateside here. I believe movies will start being shown tomorrow, which will be today when you're listening to this on the 30th. Mm-hmm. And that film festival lasts all weekend long. And those are two very important ones historically as far as the Oscars and Oscar season in general goes. And kind of trying to sort out, prioritize awards, races, and winners, and who's going to be where. And we're going to cover all of it for you today uh, before we get started and underway with a preview of Telluride though we want to tell you thank you for those of you who are taking a couple seconds out of your day to yes. go to po- Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review if you've not had the chance to yet no time like the present would really mean a lot to us if you do that just go into your iPhone into your podcast app type in Mike Mike and Oscar on the search bar once you hit submit you'll see our smiling cartoon logo tap on that if you can scroll down and leave us a five star review it really would mean a lot to us as we're trying to collect as many of those as we can yeah, get uh, us on Rotten Tomatoes yes thank send out an application to be tomato certified that's the next goal for us but with all that said let's dive into the telluride film festival which just minutes ago released courtesy i saw this first on next best picture our buddy matt neglia there who's Mm -hmm. actually in telluride physically and will be going through the festival in person and we're going to have him on for this show next week to tell us about what it's like there and what the whole process of seeing films was like and all that good stuff that's going on in telluride but we have the list of telluride film festivals just released as of a few minutes ago, Michael. Yeah, I got some sleeper highlights right off the bat. Dark Waters, that's the new Todd Haynes movie. Mm-hmm. It got a title this past week. I'm shocked to hear what it's about because he's done a lot of music films mm-hmm. lately. He's done a lot of indie art films in a way. This is about environmentalism and a court case to that effect. You got Mark Ruffalo, you got Anne Hathaway and Bill Pullman. It is a corporate defense attorney takes on an environmentalist lawsuit against a chemical company that exposes a lengthy history of pollution. Not what I thought I'd be getting from the uh, Bob Dylan guy. Didn't we get this with a time to kill with Samuel Jackson was on? Yes, they deserve to die. Wasn't that the same idea? Well, that's the same rules presence. Of engagement. No, that's not rules of engagement. He probably said something to the same effect because <laughs> he's Samuel. Or definitely the same tone in a time to kill. But yes, they deserve to die and burn in hell. Blah, blah, blah. That's rules of engagement with Tommy Lee Jones, who does not look like Brad Pitt, by the way. No, no, We've no. been over this. Mike, what's your first kind of sleeper highlight? From so Tell the climb, I, I like this because it's an overly simple premise. It's just two people, two men having their friendship analyzed through life. It's got a very high metascore. It's an 84 metascore right now. Now, a very simple premise. I knew nothing about it, but George went from Cheers is in it, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, it's, it's enough for me to want to see it. <laughs> if they made this movie about us and our friendship, right. it would be called The Sit. Right. Because well, we're not yes. climbing anywhere. Uh, and it, they, the two guys on the poster are riding bicycles. So, yeah, okay. we're, we're out. That's not us. Right. But if it was recliners. The reclining. <laughs> the reclining. Yeah, that would be our movie. Uncut Gems is my next sleeper yeah. favorite here. This is starring Adam Sandler from the Safdie Brothers. We've already mentioned this. But look at the cameos in this movie, Mike. Kevin Garnett, Mike Francesa, the god of sports talk radio himself. They're going to be in this movie centered in New York. I can't wait to see this. That's something that Clayton Davis on award circuit had very high on his list. Good. It's kind of 
I don't understand how or why. I'm hopeful for it. I would love to see Adam Sandler be taken seriously as an Oscar contender. Let's go. As well. Uh, The Truth was another big one, kind of an understated, underrated one. We're going to talk about this more in depth and in detail later on. Mm -hmm. But Hirokazu Kurita Mm -hmm. is the director of that. You'll know him as also the director of last year's Shoplifters. Got a loaded cast on this one. Like I said, we're going to get more into the particulars of it, but it's something that wasn't on my radar until the last couple days and doing research for Telluride. And now I think it might have some awards legs on its own. Very excited to see that cast play out. Yes, agreed. I also keep hearing about this movie called Waves. This is a coming-of-age romance I'm gathering. I I don't know the filmmakers all that well, but I'm just absolutely fascinated by this one. And everybody keeps mentioning it, Mike. Trey Edward Schultz is the director. Alexa Demi. Clifton Collins Jr. We don't really know these thespians. I I don't know Trey Edward Schultz all that well. But I'm I'm in for this. He's been at South by Southwest. It Comes at Night was a a horror film Mm -hmm. that he did. That was intriguing. I would say I, I didn't love it but uh, it angered me it angered to be you. honest yeah that, that film really <laughs> did anger me but and that's the beauty of these film festivals I saw potential you, in that movie yeah sure absolutely right. without question but it, it, I was going to say the people who are may not be well known whether you're filmmakers or whether you're actually on the other side of the camera acting this is a chance for you to really make your presence known and announce yourself on the national stage as simple as that sounds it really does ring true as far as documentaries and some of those being shown here Diego Maradona very very famous and popular soccer player is going to get his own documentary hmm. I know sports documentaries usually aren't you know <laughs> OJ Made in America if you want to call that a sports documentary did right. well I don't know if it is a sports documentary I don't think it is but uh, they usually aren't given a lot of uh, Uh, credo as far as mainstream sports go with the Oscars where we have the doping scandal which was its own documentary which did well. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know that focusing on a particular athlete has Oscars legs but this one's directed by Asif Kapadia who did the Oscar winning Amy documentary the Amy Winehouse documentary back in 2015 so it's incapable of Oscar friendly hands. I would like to see what happens and what they're able to do with that film. A lot of contenders or supposed contenders are debuting or showing here. We have Ford versus Ferrari Hidden Life we've talked about them. Yeah. Judy, Marriage Story, Motherless Brooklyn, Pain and Glory, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Report. Mike, we're going to know if the two popes and the truth and and uncut gems, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to know out after this week what the buzz is on these films, if their contender status is going to remain, or if some of them are going to fall by the wayside. We, we see it every year. That happens. There was a string of... of- God, I can't remember the exact stat it was, but it was the best picture winner opened at Telluride for so many years in a row. Uh, It it just ended recently, but usually if you have something debuting at Telluride historically, that means, one, the studio behind it thinks that it's going to be an awards contender, and two, it it usually starts getting its momentum this weekend. This is the the weekend that it actually starts off and gets shot into the stratosphere, and the whole campaign gets underway. So you're absolutely right that there's a lot of these we think are going to be contenders, they're presumed to be contenders, we've been talking about them as if they're contenders, some of them are going to get pushed to the front of the class, and some of them are going to fall by the wayside. That's just the nature of the beast. It happens every year. So my bet's going to be we're going to be all for marriage story, but Ford versus Ferrari's going to win. You think so? That's going to be my early <laughs> sneaking suspicion, let's just say, that something like Ford versus Ferrari, which will be a good movie, will wind up winning, and then Marriage Story will be the one that we're really pushing for. Marriage Story is going to break all of us. Yeah, it's going to absolutely gonna break all of to us. Watch, we're gonna I'm love it. very, very curious to see the reception of Motherless Brooklyn. I saw a lot yeah. of positivity about that trailer. We were not positive or high on it. We were no. a little taken aback by it. I've seen people that suffer from the Tourette syndrome saying that they were happy. Happy. I, I saw this on social media, a feeling film especially. They say they suffer from this syndrome, and they were happy that to be seeing a main character portraying it on screen. They didn't okay, find good. any offense at all. So maybe we were way off base. We said it was our hot takes and right off the presses, so maybe it would just struck us wrong in the moment. But I'm very, very curious to see how Ed Norton is taking in Motherless Brooklyn coming out of this weekend. That's a good follow-up, then. I'm glad this is a weekly show. But we got some Oscar trailers to review now before we get back into the film festivals, Mike. The Laundromat from Steven Soderbergh, Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, and Antonio Banderas got its first look this past week. Michael, this is not what I expected. Yeah, now look, you you say that, and yet 
Meryl Streep is basically playing exactly the character you always <laughs> pitched her to be playing in this, except that she's not actually running a laundromat. She no. just happens to be taking down a bunch of shady millionaires and billionaires. You're right that I was half right <laughs> or a third right. So you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely wrong. Seriously, though, uh, not at all what I expected, which was more of a serious look at corruption, like maybe all the president's men, the post. Yeah, no, there's some levity in this trailer. Yeah, this is like the big short, Wolf of yeah. Wall Street, Better Call Saul, let's all have fun while we watch how naughty people can be. Yeah, nothing like laughing at the expense of people who are better off than us. <laughs> <laughs> also, the tone of this entire film can be summed up by Meryl's bucket hat, by the way. <laughs> she certainly, uh, that's what struck out most to me, I think it would to anyone. The characters that old Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep are playing are characters. Yes. I mean, this is really a chance, two of the greatest actors we have in the business, to really wholly embrace a type of character that maybe they're not used to playing and it's those types of embraces that usually lead to those types of actors getting more Oscars recognition. Sure. Uh, Oldman is hamming it up with Banderas. He looks like he belongs in the birdcage. Yeah, it's like they have a lawyer commercial yeah. that's really not a commercial it's them being interviewed but it's like they're doing a lawyer commercial it's fascinating it really is it reminds me of better call Saul right there and then meryl changes her walk for this movie michael <laughs> she's trying to keep bent knees does she have bad knees does she have a bad back when you bend your knees well, all the back's time that's got to be killing her from carrying justice on it all the time <laughs> that's true that's very, very true uh look we have done some research on this previously especially for our netflix pod where we went over their entire award slate yeah. that was a really fun episode that you liked and we talked about this movie having some deadly serious notes to the real story the real life story this will probably be the mid-act two downer before the act three upper before it all goes down again and we get the satire at all to end the movie i gotta hand it to soderbergh though i mean to make this many intriguing films in such a short amount of time especially after he retired oh, mike it. this is why retirement means nothing in this industry logan lucky 2017 mosaic which is an hbo miniseries i just watched the first episode this past week did you like it it was okay right. I, I might be in for the rest of it sharon stone's in that unsane i loved unsane yeah absolutely 2018 high flying bird in the laundromat this year and next year we got let them all talk for hbo we just talked about that one yeah, last week okay cool nine movies in four years in retirement no big deal <laughs> it's crazy how about the idea and the possibility let's extrapolate this out let's say oldman and street both do have oscar legs based mm -hmm. on this performance alone we could be in a year where leo meryl streep and gary oldman all walk away with oscars at the same show I had to talk about powerhouses. Powerhouses. That would be no awesome. And I would love that. Recent powerhouses at the Oscars as well. The King debuted a new trailer, Mike. This is David Michaud. Joel Edgerton also wrote the script. Timothy Chalamet, Robert Pattinson, Ben Mendelsohn. A lot of sons in this. Yeah, a lot of sons, and it's a very serious trailer. It's about King Henry and going to war and protecting his kingdom, and we're greeted with this grave, gravelly voiceover with serious music. We got a casual medieval beheading yeah. right in our faces. Casual. There. That voice is Timothy Chalamet's. It's incredible. I Did love he the age 25 years in the past two? He aged, and he grew up <laughs> in Great Britain, I guess, in the 1400s or whatever hundreds. We oh always say Lord. whatever hundreds for these movies. We don't know when. Yeah, we're not students of history. Again, not the tone Ask I... Ask me about Michael Myers' timeline, though. I'll be able to <laughs> Yeah, you're you. right on that. <laughs> not the tone that I expected here as well. I remember Falstaff being that character that was reasonably funny for a class atmosphere, okay. like when you're in Shakespeare class right. in college or high school. It's not really funny. You're if desperate you're... to find something to laugh anything, at. Right, yeah. Anything to laugh at, and he was always a fun character. Egerton is not really doing that kind of a false staff here. I love the heart-to-heart -heart between him and Hal, though. It gave me goosebumps because he had a great line. Chalamet says that I'm forced to make friends with all these people I don't trust, and Falstaff is like, a king doesn't have friends. He has followers and foes. But yeah, I'll come with you. I love that line. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, and if we sh weren't sure this was going to be serious, those heavy breaths yeah. before the beheading yeah. right off the bat. My God. This is a very, very serious tone. Robert Pattinson also in this cast gets notorious with credit as far as their handling goes out. So I don't expect him to be in this movie for very long. He looked regal though, right? Yeah, he did. As a dolphin of he did. there. I, I expect him to be t offed. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't expect him to make it. I don't remember movie. the story. I really should for as many papers and term papers or whatever that I had if to write. If nothing else, that proves to me that this is Timmy's movie. Like, this isn't a Robert Pattinson flick. This is Timothy Chalamet's Oscar showcase. So some people wondered if there's a romance between the two of them in this movie. Like, we don't know about that. Oh, my God. How many hot direction. men is Timothy Chalamet going <laughs> to roll around with before he gets an Oscar? It makes money. 
all of them. Great cinematography throughout this trailer. Yes. We got pictures of like fi- these giant fireballs being catapulted across the night sky. A lot of brooding by Chalamet's King Henry character. Love uh, it. We got a man straight up trampled by a horse. That's some bad battle tactics right there. <laughs> you can't catch a charging horse flat-footed. It looked real, right? That looked like a guy actually getting trampled by an actual horse. That looked like a real stunt, and it's crazy, but you better charge that horse and cut off a leg or something, <laughs> FYI. Same way a running back better charge a defensive end or get the F out of the way. Yeah, I, I agree. That's from a, a defensive coach there. I will remind everyone, though, we are all are always very excited for these medieval period pieces sure. or these these ancient period pieces especially me. battles. Yeah, you especially, but you're not alone, certainly. There's a lot of people that think that just smell Oscars anytime these types of movies come out. It's been almost 25 years since one of those actually won Best Picture. Not almost, Mike. Yeah, yes, yeah I mean, right. Braveheart back you're in right. 94, 95. That was the last time we had a Best Picture in 95, 96. I don't remember. But it was back in the mid 90s. Yes. <laughs> the last time one of these movies actually won Best Picture. So we might want to pump the brakes a little bit with regards to expecting these to do so well. Because every year they come up, mm-hmm. and every year without fail, I mean, look at Mary Queen of Scots last year. Yeah. Something happens to get in their way. Unless you count Lord of the Rings, it was the last one nominated too, Braveheart. You can't count Lord of the Rings, it's not real! But it's set (laughs) in the medieval ages, the pre-medieval ages, which were in that time frame, in that time jump. Very famously, those battles of the Renaissance with wizards. (laughs) I love all that stuff. I really enjoyed this trailer, though. Yeah, absolutely. A cosign. It looks very, very good, and it's another Netflix property. Mm -hmm. Very curious to see how it plays with us. Lucy in the Sky debuted its second trailer, Mike. Yeah, so we had the first trailer, and we're like, okay, we kind of get the plot. It's this woman that's struggling, wants to get back to space. And now we have a very, to me, much more character-driven plot explaining more of Natalie Portman's character here, of the two trailers at least. Uh, This version focuses on Natalie Portman's desire to return to space and how that obsession is basically impacting her day-to-day life and leaving her unable to adjust to life on Earth. So we just watched First Man, Apollo 11, etc., etc. Again, Hollywood doesn't seem to get the whole astronaut gig. They don't get the job. (laughs) Only the steel-nerved, coldest, and most rational people are going to be in that program, never mind selected, to actually represent the world in outer space, Mike. (laughs) Show the slightest crack in your psyche, and they're not putting you out there. No. They'll put you through the training, though, apparently. Even the dogs that go out there. The Sputnik dog <laughs> went out there. That's the coldest dog. Who's, that's, that is the most well-trained dog ever. They'll choose a million other applicants if you show the... If you even give them a facial expression that suggests you're having, like, episodes where you're viewing yourself floating in the sky while you're home, yeah. you're not going out there. I'll tell you what, all of that, you just described why Ryan Gosling's performance <laughs> in First Man deserved to be taken more seriously as a best actor contender. Yeah, that's the opposite end of that spectrum here. Yeah. We're also in this trailer with the second Lucy in the Sky trailer. We're in confirmed. I'm cheating with John Hamm territory. Can't blame we her. see there too. You know, of course not. <laughs> the only thing was missing was Timothy Chalamet. The, the, <laughs> we see their first kiss as there's this sexual tension between them. So, is John Hamm sabotaging her ability to return to space, or do we think she's legitimately having issues on her own? Are, are those pressures due to everyone, everyday human life, or is it due to general unhappiness with her marriage, her family, etc.? A lot of questions presented by this trailer for me. My guess is yes to all of that to okay. a degree. Can I take that fence? It's an easy way out, but go ahead. Fence. <laughs> Noah Hawley has loved himself the psychological thriller genre mm-hmm. of late with the Legion FX show, somewhat with the Fargo series, his novels to an extent Stint. I only read one of them, but it had a little bit of that in there. I don't necessarily buy it with the space program, Mike, but artistic license, all right, fine. If you discount that, I like the visuals, what they represent. It definitely shows you how insignificant one might feel if they're looking <laughs> on the earth as a bunch of ants down. Mike, I go to a concert, I go to a ball game, and I'm one of, a, you know, 100,000 people. Not even a people. spoke in the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm one of 100,000 people, I feel insignificant. If I ride the Vomit Comet and I'm one of like hundreds of people on Metro North, I feel like really small. So if I went to outer space, my brain would break. Yeah, you know, you're probably not alone. It's certainly not for lay people like you and me, but I'm interested to see what Lucy in the Sky has in store for it. Is it going to be another Natalie Portman Oscars vehicle? They seem to be playing a lot with visuals and cinematography and the storyline in this seems to have a lot of those mixture that you would like from an Oscars contender. Yes, sir. Monos 
debuted its first trailer. This is a Sundance Award winner. This is Columbia's pick for Best International Film, that category, On a Faraway Mountaintop, Eight Kids with Guns Watch Over a Hostage, and a Conscripted Milk Cow, Mike. 82 Metascore, though, a beautiful trailer. What was that word? Conscripted? Conscripted. Conscripted. That's a real word. That can't be a Next word. to Milk Cow <laughs> in this trailer. Alejandro Landis began his career with a documentary, Cocalero in 07, made his narrative feature film debut with Porfirio, 74 Metascore, Cannes Film Fest nominee in 2011. And now you get some recognizable actors from Five Feet Apart and Ender's Game, Moises Arias, Julianne Nicholson from Itania, played the coach in that, August Osage County. They all join him for what looks like a guerrilla warfare movie here yeah look this is like the duality of a child soldier movie right yeah we got a lot of movies focusing on the duality of man and this is the much lesser known and lesser focused duality of a child soldier it's such a two-toned trailer because you're starting with kids playing and giggling and light-hearted music and then it's like oh by the way they're covering themselves in black soot to camouflage themselves while they're having target practice with these giant guns mike i'm so glad i work with kids of this age and i teach them how to run and jump and play sports <laughs> instead of having to you know shoot guns my god the critical praise and the praise from directors like guillermo del toro in this trailer yeah. what's cited in this trailer is awe-inspiring and then the visuals match that on a scale of apocalypse now is one of the quotes and we could see it. Yeah, there's definitely homage and inspiration driven from Apocalypse Now, especially with the kids being camouflaged and basically being unseeable unless they open their eyes. Some of these shots. My wow. God, that one shot where the kid's on the mountaintop yes. looking down on the valley and there's a rocket or a missile being propelled above the fog. It's stunning. It's like Terrence Malick would weep. It gave me goosebumps before Loose. I saw this trailer twice before Loose. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's ridiculously good good looking, and I'm, I'm blown away. So, the, yeah, I do think this is going to factor in somewhere. Is this the movie that plays like the Cold War? Is this the best international film that gets a nom elsewhere in the cinematography category? Might be. We like had a breakthrough last year with an international film stealing a cinematography nomination. Yeah. Nobody really expected Two it. Two of so. them. Yeah. Synonyms, Mike, this was a cool trailer. Nadav Lapid did the original Kindergarten Teacher movie, which was adapted to that Maggie Gyllenhaal Netflix movie last year. Both of us were fans of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this movie is. <laughs> it reminds me of like the kinetic energy movies of the late 90s, early 2000s. Run Lola Run, Train Spotting. You know, one of those movies about your fast living 20s that we never really experienced because yeah. we're very slow and sedimentary. <laughs> I love this trailer, though. It's a... I don't know how I feel about it, because I don't know what this trailer is. We can live vicariously through this, dude. It looks like a wild ride, right? Dude, yeah. Like, all right, we have a former Israeli soldier who flees to France to live a different life and refine his purpose in life, mm -hmm. and then he gets accused of starting to lose it a little bit as those around him accuse him of becoming the character he thinks he's only portraying. It was great. At the end of the trailer, after you get it all, you get the love interest who says, you act like a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. But you really yeah, are. you're actually a crazy person. <laughs> Which York... is a conversation I've had so many times yes, in my life. Yes, yes, I've heard the same. <laughs> New York Film Festival, this is coming there. It's getting early buzz in the Best International Film category. And I mean early buzz. Like, we, we previewed at the Mid-Year Oscars report. Yeah. This was a film that showed up. So that's very early. I'm excited for this one. I haven't seen a movie like this in a while. It's funny you say Run, Lola, Run, because I was like, oh, this is looks like a Gaspar Noe trailer. Gaspar Noe trailer. Yeah, it looks are... like very music-forward and heavy and kind of a big repeating in your face as shit's going down right there yeah right? all right so those are the trailers that we have and we're knocking them down uh, those are the ones that just debuted this week that we mm -hmm. think have oscar implications probably no coincidence that they're starting to roll out more and more as more and more serious film festivals get underway as well so, so many movies keep an eye on all of that uh we move now to some oscar news michael yeah the irishman will forego a wide release and it's coming out for a month we'll talk about that in a minute it's three and a half hours long. That's a long time. <laughs> three and a half, so 210 minute runtime. I, I don't know what you've seen. I haven't really seen a lot of like anger or upsetness about the runtime, but I've seen a lot of, well, that's a long fucking movie. 
if it's good, we'll like it. If it's not good, we won't. That's the worst take in the world, but I, I'm not going for a hot take there. It's Martin Scorsese. So in 2025, this will be three episodes long? Yeah, about that. <laughs> Hopefully with some piss breaks in her, you know, a little bathroom break. You'll need a catheter to watch this movie in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese's no stranger to length. Silence was two hours and 41 minutes. Wolf of Wall Street was about three hours. I enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street yes. the first time through. However, it's tough to rewatch it. Getting tough. back to the rewatch, I couldn't get it in one sitting. I those was like, good long, lord. <laughs> those long movies, if it's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's a hangout movie, yeah. say what you want about it. It's a hangout movie. You enjoy rewatching it. If it's not one of those, it's hard to take the dive on these movies. Yeah, again. I agree. I, you have to like plan your day around if you want to rewatch Wolf of Wall Street. Even something great like Apocalypse Now. I mean, I might have watched it mm-hmm. three times in my life, and those were like events for right. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to clear your calendar. There's only been three movies that have won Best Picture and been beyond mm-hmm. the 210-minute length. Ben-Hur was 212 minutes gone with a win, famously, was 238. The most recent film to have this time frame and win Best Picture was in 1962, the 216-minute Lawrence of Arabia. Woo. So it doesn't automatically exclude this from being you know, considered maybe a Best Picture contender, but it's been a long time since a three-and-a-half-hour movie has weighed in there. Yeah, we're calling way back yeah. for those callbacks. No wonder the budget went from 90 to 200 million, though. If you have cutting-edge VFX, the de-aging stuff required for huge chunks of this, my God. I think what you just hit on, though, is a big reason why Netflix is able to do what they're doing as far as the rollout goes. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Marty, we'll give you all the money in the world. You want to go over budget, take what you need, just give us a hit. Mm -hmm. And, oh, by the way, when it comes time to release your movie, we're not going to do a theatrical rollout. We're going to put it in theaters for the minimum amount of time we need to get the Oscars mm-hmm. eligibility, and then we're pulling it back, and it's going to be a Netflix release. I think it's very smart. Netflix is basically playing chess with the Scorsese movie, and Scorsese can't really complain about it. I love what they're doing with a lot of these movies for them. Now, do I love it for the industry necessarily? I don't know. But this Netflix awards push now has dates, Michael. The Laundromat's coming to theaters September 27th. It'll come on Netflix October 18th. Mm -hmm. So it's got a couple weeks. Dolomite is in theaters October 5th. It will be on Netflix on the 25th of October. The King, October 11th in theaters. November 1st is coming to Netflix. Irishman, November 1st. November 27th, like you just said. Marriage Story, November 6th. Coming to Netflix December 6th. So that's getting a longer push. Yeah, getting a whole month. The Two Popes (laughs) will be the end of November, the 27th in theaters. And then December 20th, that's coming out on Netflix. So we're going to get awards-worthy contenders on Netflix from the middle of October, basically through the end of December. There's no mention of the last thing he wanted with Defoe, Hathaway, and Mm -hmm. D-Reeze yet. I was surprised by that. Surprised by that as well. I Keep an eye on, too, what theaters these movies are going towards. Because Netflix famously purchased the theater not too long ago. single theater. And they said it wasn't just for their Oscar eligibility. It's not going to be. But the flip side of that is with this rollout, putting these movies in theaters for only three weeks, the big chains, AMC, all these big theater chains mm-hmm. aren't going to put their money to get these movies into their big theater chains for three weeks. The scuttlebutt is that Netflix was trying to purchase a theater chain. Right, that was which Amanda I can Dobbins, see coming. The Big Picture podcast this morning, I, I was fascinated to hear that with Sean Fennessy. Because you're not going to get these big theater chains willing to shell out money to put forth a movie that's not going to make money after three weeks. You're going to have a tough time. It's going to be smaller independent theaters. Netflix, to get these in theaters, may at some point have to adopt a smaller theater chain or just keep buying random theaters in L.A. and New York markets to make sure that they have the theater eligibility because they could be getting to a point at some point where Mm -hmm. no theater wants any part of them because why bother? Why bother? Why spend $100 to bring you in a date to see this movie when three weeks to four weeks to two weeks... Later, yeah. you can watch it on Netflix. going to be something curious to keep an eye on. That's what the public's going to say. Guys like us will be tempted of to course. go see Marriage Story if it comes of to New course. Haven. Of course, of course. But we'll see. Todd Haynes Project, like we mentioned, it's called Dark Waters. It will expand or bubble this fall. I was intrigued to see this premise, like I said. So, look, the big gripe on film Twitter, on anybody that is an Oscars pundit, it's mm-hmm. been... 
Boy, these first eight months of 2019, for what we thought 2019 was going to be this awesome year in film, there's just been nothing. Scorched Earth for Oscar contenders to degree. You know, you got some, but... This movie, the Todd Haynes Project, just announced this week that it's going to debut November 22nd. Once you get to that first week in November, I mean, it's it's literally an Oscar sprint. You're going to have about two movies a week coming out that are going to do i don't know i don't know how we're going to handle it but <laughs> and on the 22nd alone you're going to have dark waters which is being positioned as that like you said the mark ruffalo todd haynes and hathaway oscar movie yes frozen 2 animated feature category probably original song as well yes beautiful day in the neighborhood mm-hmm. best picture best director best actor and the move 21 bridges which curiously was supposed to come out in october or september they moved it back to thanksgiving weekend guessing counter maybe counter programming we, yeah. we think uh, but not only that, on the 22nd, five days later on November 27th, Knives Out and Queen and Slim are due. We were able to basically plan our entire schedule yeah. through December. Thank the gods <laughs> we have an extra two months to review the rest of these films yeah. and Oscar Sprint profiles. But only two months because the Oscars are on February 9th. They moved up. <laughs> what do we got there? weeks. So that was Netflix's Oscar push. I'm very curious about Amazon Prime's awards push here, Mike, because... I don't know what they're doing. Are they just punting on this? <laughs> Seems like it. They're only going two weeks in theaters for the Aeronauts for the report. Two weeks later, they're basically going back to Netflix's original model for their very few Oscar contenders like Mudbound, etc. Because two weeks after they're in a couple indie theaters in big cities, they're coming to Amazon. Who's going to go see those except for maybe us, Mike? I mean, the easy answer to that is how Aeronauts looks. It's clearly going to play better on a theater for you than on your home video screen. Just I because of how so. bizarre it is. Michael, number one, this is our nightmare. <laughs> we just watched the trailer yeah. for this. We hit pause and watched the trailer. Yeah. I wasn't aware of it. You were aware of it this morning, I guess. It just dropped today. This looks extraordinary in terms of cinematography. Originally, they had planned to put this out in IMAX theaters. They they scrapped that plan for some reason. But you got Felicity Jones, well, they Eddie Redmayne. It. They scrapped it because the IMAX theaters don't want to give. Don't want to do that. They don't want to do exactly what we're talking about. Right. They don't want to have only a three week window no. before this thing goes to home video. This looks like gravity on a hot air balloon (laughs) discovering or discussing because I'm all scuzzed out about it because I'm freaked out. I don't want to see this movie, Mike, but they're discovering meteorology on hot air balloons and they're they're basically, oh my God, the high wire act on a hot air balloon. Guinea pig hot air balloon. Some of it is just absurd. No, I don't care what the condition. What's the worst that happens if that balloon gets a hole in it? It comes back down? Well, you don't, there's no reason you have to climb the side of a hot air balloon while it's in flight. I was screaming at this trailer just now <laughs> multiple times, and Gravity kind of did that to me, too. It was worth seeing Free Solo the same way, but I'm going to be upside down in my sofa watching this movie when it comes to Amazon Prime. My God, I'm scared of it. But the visuals, the cinematography they was gorgeous. They look they, they surely do look great. One it's a shot shame. after next. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's a microcosm of an issue, but it is an issue unto itself as well. It's a shame this doesn't get to IMAX. Theaters. It's a shame. I mean, it wasn't shot with IMAX cameras we learned, but it, it certainly was made. It seems like the bigger the screen, the more enveloping the viewing experience will be, so it's it sucks. Thrill seekers would love it. People yeah. who look at this movie and this type of movie as a horror film would hate, love, <laughs> hate it. I hate watch it like yeah. me. I'm surprised that uh, Amazon's going this direction, but you do have a couple of big stars coming right to their service. Maybe they are just punting on this award season in general and they're going for the, you know, the, the credo for their streaming platform yeah eddie redmayne felicity jones hamish patel there's a lot of big names in this Uh, amazon's doing some weird things maybe they think this is the year of netflix and they just can't compete i don't know weird here's our obligatory tarantino (laughs) segment mike yeah boots riley of sorry to bother you fame directed that one he's also a great musician and activist for years he called out tarantino for not depicting the manson family as white supremacists I mean, that's easy when you don't have a single minority in the entire film. Why would you address that? (laughs) So by the history of it, he does have a point, though. I will give him that. But this movie is not about race. It's just not, whether that's good, bad, or different. This is is exactly what we talked about when we talked about this, right? There's no representation. There's no equal representation. It doesn't strive to be the movie for equal representation. It doesn't strive to be all things to all people. It's telling a very specific story. So... If you want to get your feathers ruffled and that's something that matters to you, then yeah, you're absolutely right. It's fair criticism. That's not represented at all. Tarantino's made a couple movies about race. He's uh, like three at least. 
and he's he's made movies with representation before this became a huge debate yep. amongst everyone. So he was ahead of that curve a little bit, I would say, to his credit. Now, people took issue with how he handled those. Sure. For, so for, did we. So did we, in many cases. However... This is not that movie. This is not that movie that's striving to be a racial conversation. Is is it possible it could have included that, like with a line? But is sure. that a half-assed way to do right. it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, again, it's, I default to, there's people that are just going to be unhappy with whatever Tarantino does. Like you just said, if he does put in, if he puts in a line addressing it, maybe it's not enough. If he puts in an entire monologue, maybe it feels out of place because it's not that type of movie. There's just going to be these things. He can never make a perfect movie just because of who he is. He is a polarizing, he's a lightning rod of controversy. A lightning rod, no question. Antonio Banderas did come to his defense, not for this particular story, but for the overall backlash to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He said, Tarantino should be free to make his art. I would never, never, never censor art, Banderas said. I think an artist should be free, then people should be free to agree or disagree. You have the freedom to continue watching his movies or not. That was in an IndieWire article, Michael. I, I tend to align myself with that viewpoint, and that's why I think it's okay to have these movies like The House That Jack Built, the most you want to have snuff films as long as you're not actually hurting anybody mm -hmm. and you have everyone's consent. Like, I think any kind of art is fine except using that one particular word that I don't think any white person ever needs to use under any circumstance ever. Yes. That's where I fall on it. So I tend to agree with what Antonio Banderas is saying save for that one caveat. Right. I'm going to make the case for a couple quick fringe Oscar movies case for the case against here I watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco on VOD for best cinematography I, I think this is one gorgeous shot after the next will it be nominated I highly doubt it because it was a blip on the release yeah schedule. it's kind of sad this was a big movie in terms of ones we were looking forward to but you're absolutely right it seemed to go and pass without much of a claim at all it was highly regarded when it came out but it hasn't had a lot of staying power and best cinematography I would argue is the one category category where people were most excited for it but let's see how it stacks up last year we had Roma winning it Cold War the favorite Never Look Away and A Star is Born were the other nominees in the category how yeah. does Last Black Man in San Francisco match up to last year's cinematography category there's definitely recency bias with those releases on the calendar I would say mm -hmm. in, in many cases and it happens every year this would be in my top 10 uh, for most years I would say it's probably going to be in my top 10 if not my top 5 for this year so I'm a little sad Saddened by the fact that I'm forecasting no, but I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm crossing my Better fingers. cinematography than A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. Better cinematography than The Favorite? It, favorite's unique. Yeah, right? I, I agree. The fisheye yep. lenses. Or lenses. <laughs> lenses? Is that a word? I, I, I really am sad that not enough people saw that movie. It's really strong. Jessie Buckley is the lead in Wild Rose. She's a talented singer. She's from Beast of last year. That was a really cool movie. She plays an out-of-control, hard-drinking partier, just gotten out of prison, who's trying to, you know, in Scotland, get a country music career going, Mike. She is endlessly charming. As one does. She nails the scenes with her mother and daughter, the dramatic scenes. I loved her in this film. It's another top ten in any year in terms of best actress, and best actress is loaded, in my opinion. She's in my top five as of now. I'm She's like fourth, so I'm guessing she's going to get bumped out with this huge slate of best actresses to come. Wild Rose, another Tom Harper movie. Big year for him. Stack yes. it up to how the best actress field looked last year. Obviously, famously, in a Notoriously, Academy Queens would disagree with my statement here, but Olivia Coleman robbed Glenn Close's moment. <laughs> so Olivia Coleman wins the Best Actress. Uh, the other nominees in the category, surprisingly, Yalitza Aparicio, who got a lot of fans with her performance in Roma. Glenn Close, obviously. Lady Gaga, Melissa McCarthy as well. Uh, how do we think this performance stacks up with those, and where would it fall into those five? It, nobody saw it, so nobody's going to have it there. Uh, there's also... Well, the you can make the argument that not a lot of people saw Roma. Yeah. I mean, you could make that argument. It, it, very much like Roma, you got the master shot viewpoint, vantage point from a lot of these scenes. Mm -hmm. So you don't get a lot of close-ups of her, especially when she's wiling out the most, like a rose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Matt Negley and Next Boo! Best Picture. <laughs> Matt Negley and Next, Next Best Picture, they covered the crap out of this movie. I loved all that coverage. Go look at that if you want more in-depth coverage of it. But, Mike, I have to put my tip my hat, and I have to put my two cents in. I loved her performance here. I think she's a star on the rise. I can't wait to see what she does next. She's in a lot of big-budget properties to come as well. Would you have her rip my heart out and beat Glenn Close, too? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, she's not as good as Glenn Close uh, and the wife. So you can stop on this recording. You're okay. Walk out. We're okay. We're still friends. Let's <laughs> finish up. Couple news segments. Like we said, a big weekend. A lot of film festivals underway. So that means there's a lot of news to cover about film festivals as well. Yeah, we're slowly getting some early responses from Venice. I guess we're going to have to cover those more next week. We'll kind of give you the reactions for to a degree. Yeah, and one of them is that Ad Astra isn't terrible. That was cool. That was cool to hear <laughs> in a way. I'm I'm hoping that Fox saved all of its best for last. You're skeptical that Disney wants them to make money at all. I'm just skeptical about Disney. Yeah, I've heard that somewhere (laughs) before from you. We've yelled. You've mentioned it in passing. My brother listened to one of our blowouts, and he he, uh, mentioned to me, I saw him yesterday, he goes, so are you and Mike even still talking? (laughs) (laughs) We have to talk. That's the thing. I wanted to spotlight two more films in Venice. Yeah. The Truth, as you mentioned before, this is starring Catherine Deneuve and Juliette Binoche. They're a mother and daughter, and they have a stor- stormy reunion. You talked about Hirokazu Karita, too, Mike. He's the director of this. He wrote and directed Shoplifters last year. That got nominated for an Oscar. A yeah. lot of people thought that might actually win uh, before Roma came along and did what it did in the international feature category. There's a big cast, a talented cast, especially with the two leading ladies. Yeah, Ethan Hawke. It is an intriguing backstory, an intriguing story to this as well. It's it's a movie about movies in a way because it has to do with a sci-fi, a woman down on luck actress getting a sci-fi role and the strain it puts on her family. It seems like, I don't know, I, I'm very into it and I'm glad to hear that the early reviews are, are pretty good. 73 Metascore right there. The next film is Seaberg. This is with Kristen Stewart from Una director Benedict Andrews, Mike. Yeah, it's a new wave French actress, this is the premise, who became interest of the FBI because she was involved with civil rights activist Hakeem Jamal. Fascinating. Real life. Kristen Stewart, can she not do... I mean, she's doing everything. Every kind of genre of film in the last three years... She from I, I know Twilight was years ago, but she's done like Personal Shopper. She's doing the Charlie's Angels reboot. She's doing a new wave French actress movie. She's doing literally everything. When does the new wave French actress nostalgia kick in? <laughs> when does that kick in for you, Academy? Is this the movie? We'll see. Uh, I'm intrigued by both of those films. We're gonna get into the London Film Festival now. They announced the rest of their lineup, and this is very happy news, Mike. Sixty percent of that lineup comes from female filmmakers. Was it Venice, who we just talked about, how they don't have enough women? Yeah, like two out of 21 or yeah, something like I that. I think it was Venice. Three, maybe. But, and the president of that film festival was on record saying, I just want the best films. That was just kind of his excuse out of it, blah, blah, blah. But look, obviously, not difficult to find a lot of quality-made female pictures. Although, the caveat remains, in big, bright, blinking letters, studios need to do a better job of getting women helm pictures out there and giving opportunities to women in general. No question. So, tip of the hat. It's one of those stories where we're like, what's took so long, but good, but why yeah. did this not happen 10 years ago? And more now, ago? please. Not This yeah. is not enough. Yeah, Let's go. we got a strong lineup for the London Film Festival as well. We talked about Manos, Shia LaBeouf's Honey Boy, which is getting praised all up and down. Yeah. Uh, the Perfect Candidate from Saudi Arabia's first female director. Um, my apologies if I mispronounce this. Haifa'a Al-Mansour. Mm-hmm. And Isabel Sandoval's Lingua Franca, uh, the category's first film from a transgender director. All great news, all big, worthy headlines. This is the way you do a film festival, I would argue. Let's Venice, take, take note. This is smart. This is good kind of buzz rather yeah. than the let's seek controversy. Let's let Woody Allen and Roman Polanski Ugh. in. Right? Yeah. You know, who, like, how happy are they to be in Venice right now, paying those exorbitant prices <laughs> to basically go there? I mean, the studios are paying those exorbitant prices. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I, it's, it's a bad look for Venice. And good I, job, London. Good, good job, job London. London. Great job. Tip of the hat to you. The Sarajevo Film Festival tabbed their best film as Take Me Somewhere Nice, that one best feature. Mike, the premise. A Dutch girl of Bosnian descent travels to Bosnia to visit her sick father. It will be the first time they will see each other. That's heavy. That's heavy, but I like getting these films on our radar, and that's why we're going to go into this next segment as well. So we'll be looking out for Take Me Somewhere Nice. We're also got to be looking out for this next bunch of films, Mike, because... We didn't know anything about the best international film category until recently. So this is exciting stuff. I'll start off with Japan. They picked Weathering With You, which is the first anime movie ever selected by that country for this category. Yeah, so basically how the international category works... And again, if we do this podcast and this brand for 25 years, we'll 
get a decent well, handle on this well, Oscar stuff. Point, 25 years from now. <laughs> Every country, if you didn't know, gets to pick one selection to have it go to the forefront and it goes mm-hmm. in the competition at the Oscars and that's when the, the Academy members and that branch of the Academy votes and does their thing from there on out. So Mike, like Mike just said, that's the anime movie that made it the first time an anime movie did it for Japan. Brazil has put forward the invisible life of Eurydice Guzmão. Again, apologies if I mispronounced <laughs> that. It won in certain regard at Cannes so it did all have success at one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world. Yeah, a lot of can selections in this group. The roundup continues Dominican Republic. They picked The Projectionist about pre-digital cinema. Panama picked Everybody Changes about a transgender father coming out. Romania picked a fascinating heist film in The Whistlers and Estonia picked a box office record breaker about a 19th century rural feud in truth and justice. A lot of high marks for that one too. It's an early 9.3 which is, I always argue, if you're attached to the film, go to IMDb and just give your fucking movie a 10. <laughs> That's what you should do. Be the first one out of the gate. But early 9.3 on its first 1200 plus IMDb rating. numbers. Nothing to scoff at, certainly. Uh, last year's international film winner as well. Morocco picked Adam, which is about a pregnant single mother seeking shelter while it was illegal to be a pregnant single mother, period, in yeah. Morocco. So that's that's a heavy premise, but a movie that seems to be something we need to see. Unbelievable. Right? Another one of those. Yeah, crazy. Iran picked a feature-length documentary, Finding Faraday, an early 8.4 IMDb score. It's about an adopted child who, at 40, seeks out her birth parents in Iran. My lord, are these some heavy documentary subjects and some heavy film subjects in general? But that's a huge marker for the feature-length documentary category, right? If Iran picks sure. it as a selection for another Oscar branch? Yeah, absolutely. Oscar Fahadi has done a lot to bring Iranian films to the Oscars yes, in 2011, 2016, so I'm thrilled to see more filmmakers breaking through in that climate, Mike. Yeah, we also have Country of Georgia putting forth Shindisi. That's about a military intention in 2008. We also have Pain and Glory, which is on Spain's shortlist, which... By the way, that's only going to highlight how competitive all this short yeah. and international competition is because Pain and Glory, people are raving about it at Sundance. It won an award for Best Actor, and it's going to her, like we just said. It's it's in Telluride right now, and people yeah. can't wait to see it. From one of the most revered directors on the planet. Yeah. And it's going to have tough competition in Bunuel in the Labyrinth of <laughs> Turtles, Michael, because this is in the short list for Spain, too. And again, that's rare. We just saw it in Japan. The bigger story might be is we have Weathering With You, we have Bunuel, who might be in the best animated film category when we thought that was sewn up for other films. Now we're getting these art films that are going to be in the mix there, and I'm going to have to listen to the Pixie song Debaser a whole bunch more during this <laughs> award season. Is it a a maze filled with turtles? Is the turtle itself a maze? How does this work? And how do I sign up to participate? I don't know. I've got Bunuel in a labyrinth. Never mind of turtles is fascinating. So I'm interested here. So like Mike said, every country picks a winner. And we have the selections starting to come out from several of the different countries thus far. We're going to get a lot more of these announcements. I, we may let them build up after a couple of weeks before we touch on this category again. But this is exciting. Yeah, and the international feature category is nothing to ever sneeze at because as much as, as polarizing as the Oscars and Best Picture and some of the major races are, the international mm-hmm. feature usually puts up giant numbers critically across the boards. It's oh, usually yeah. like the best of the best from cinema. The last 10 years alone, the last 10 winners, Metascore, meta ratings, 80, 65, 95, 94, 86, 91, 91, 85, 86, and last year was Roma's 96. Wow. The lone outlier of a 65 was in 2010 in a better world, which was considered an upset anyway, over rightful winners, which was either Inaritu's Beautiful, Yorgos's Dogtooth, or Villeneuve's Incendies. I agree. What time, a category. Yeah, I agree times three there. In a better world was okay. Suzanne Beer, I, I really love her work, but that, that wasn't her best film. So, in International film, the best of cinema? Question mark. I mean, it's up there. You get if you're the winner of this category, you are usually considered one of the premier films of the year. Unlike Best Picture, where there's a lot of compromised picks come into play, and there's a lot of discussion and argument, and people aren't happy, and then you end up with The Shape of Water, which is Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> 
But yeah, we have American categories, and oh, here, rest of the world, here's your one category. <laughs> here's your, too, let's so. have five of you. But the, our academy's only really taking American film seriously for so much of its history. Now we're finally start starting to get breakthroughs, and it's a happy thing, I would say. I've taken international film seriously for only so much of its history. You said American film. Well, that's the point. They've only taken American film seriously for most of its history. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I, I misheard you. Yes, you're correct. Go on. I am <laughs> Sorry correct. about that. I am correct, <laughs> unfortunately, because look at all these Metascores like yeah. you said. Mike, we got one story to finish up here. This is for Oscars 2021, Wes Anderson's next movie. Yeah, how dare he try to make a movie when... Dune and the Christopher Nolan uh, tenant is he, snatching up everybody. And he he took some of those cast members out there. Though. Yeah, uh, the French Dispatch, starring Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet, because you don't need more than those two in a movie anymore to get Oscar consideration. There's no plot yet, but uh, there's people attached to Anders Anderson's first nine films seem to be having a role in his tent here. That's really cool. You yeah. have an anniversary film, right? And you're bringing back cast and crew members from each other film. At least IndieWire is smart enough to pick up on that. That was a really cool article. Does he give them all a credit, even if they get chopped from the film, as the crew? You could. Yeah. <laughs> Take after Tarantino. He'll call it something different, and he'll have a claymation animation call for it. it. The, the Hotel of Lesser Deceit, or something like that. Chevalier. Yeah, very, very wise man that Wes Anderson is. <laughs> that is your Oscar race checkpoint to set you up for the uh, weekend of big film festivals. Tell you right, like mm -hmm. we said, just gets underway. If you're listening to this early in the morning, uh, then it, you probably have a couple hours before the first screenings of Telluride start, so mm -hmm. this should be a nice uh, palette cleanser and table setter i will say table setter yeah that's, 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 that's how you get started with your film festival work there but we want to know obviously what do you think is going to be the story coming out of these film festivals this weekend specifically we want to hear from you and which movie are you most looking forward to once you're able to get your hands on it uh, as well as we want to know your comments thoughts questions concerns about anything else going on in the mmo empire you can reach out to us and leave us those comments at mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we're available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially apple Podcasts. where once again we must beg of you at the end of this yes, episode please. like we did at the top if you could take a couple seconds out of your day go to your podcast app tap on the search icon type mike mike and oscar into the search bar once you hit submit you will see our cartoon faces waiting back at you just tap on our little faces there scroll down and if you leave us a five-star review those truly go a long way tell a couple friends we're trying to get as many of those as yeah. we possibly can we are oliver twist Holding an empty bowl, an empty bowl, begging you to yes. please click five stars. So. Some more. Some more, please. Michael, words of wisdom and what's coming next from MMO. There's so many movies to watch. That's the wisdom, and I'm happy about that. But why did it take so long? We had eight months to watch yeah. these movies. Luckily, we did all those cool rewatch series, yeah. though, Mike, and we're in the midst of the Joker character study now. We just put out episode three. Two of those three episodes thus far have been history episodes, timeline episodes. We did an It chapter two crossover this past week that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we pitched the Joker versus Pennywise movie. Yeah, after Disney buys it all <laughs> and they have DC and they have all Stephen King's movies in 2034 we'll have you know, yeah, we'll finally years. get there. Yeah. yeah, we'll have 27 years. Did I do the math right there? I don't think I did the 2044. The math is wrong in the last episode, so let me I correct the record. I don't know what day it is. You didn't do the math right either. No, I just read. You should be able to add 27 to 17. Yeah, it's 44. It's 44. It's uh, not 34. No. Nah, I screwed off. up. I was way off. <laughs> English major, <laughs> film nut. So, Mike, we also have our long-awaited review of Loose. We've been pitching that for a yeah. while. We're going to get an Oscar Squid profile out on that film with Naomi Watts and Octavia Spencer putting out great performances, a really cool script there. We're going to have some hot takes, I think, for that film. We'll get to it. MMOW's already filling up. That is our other weekly news recap show where we hit on some more popular tastes, where we're able to have more flexibility than these episodes thus far. We talked about it in the pre-production, Mike. <laughs> We're a little upset that we can't get to all our new segments that we've been dreaming of yeah. and planning for this particular format. We just get so much news every week. Nah. That's award season related, but we also feel 
that this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we want to do. This was the original yeah. inception of this uh, MMO whole showcase anyway, so Definitely. we're happy to be doing this on a weekly basis. And it's probably, you know, we should have known because we're starting it right as the film festival circuit gets we underway. So <laughs> that's our bad. But, we, uh, you know, to further clutter things, we'll have that Jack Nicholson 89 Tim Burton's Batman movie Can't Joker uh, to do as well next week. So we're, we're, we have a loaded schedule. It's all planned out. We have no wiggle room. It's just there, Mike. <laughs> It's ready for us, and uh, luckily we have that extra month and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, three quarters. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Academy. Before the Oscars. Like we said, next week, Oscar race checkpoint, if all goes according to plan, at least at this point, Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture is going to come on to recap his Telluride experience, his first time there. Uh, very happy to see him get the opportunity That's to awesome. do that. So that you have that to look forward to for this spot next week. Until then, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Uh, have a great weekend, and we will see you all soon. See you.